Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to yet another edition of TV7 Editor's Note. I'm Jonathan Hassan, and joining me, coming all the way from Budapest, Hungary, is once again, welcoming back, of course, John O'Sullivan, uh, the president of the Danube Institute, a dear friend, and okay. if I may also add, uh, uh, mentor on uh, certain very important topics. Well, thank you. It's uh, nice to be here. Indeed. Uh, it's, it's always a pleasure. And, of course, your colleagues uh, coming also from the Danube Institute, uh, Jeffrey Kaplan and Professor Jeffrey Kaplan, if I may. Uh, you worked very hard for that, Professor. Indeed, but, I did. Uh, hence, uh, indeed, and Miss uh, Varag uh, Lorint. Did I say it correctly? Uh, Lorint. Lorint. Uh, oh, okay. Almost perfect. We'll work on that. All right. Uh, as we always do, we will start with prayer, and then we'll dive into what they're doing here. Uh, of course, you already heard about uh, uh, the participation of the Danube Institute uh, in our revitalized uh, production of My Brother's Keeper, uh, and I'm very excited about what's coming ahead, but let's open in prayer and we'll dive right in. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to have our dear friends here with me in Jerusalem at uh, TV7 here for yet another episode of Editor's Notes. Lord, I pray for your guidance and leading in all that we do, whatever we say uh, in this discussion will benefit uh, all of our viewers at home and uh, that you may reap the glory and uh, everything good out of this for your name's sake. We give you all glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John, I, I of course, uh, uh, would be erred if I don't mention the fact that you're also a former policy advisor, aide, and, and uh, confidant, uh, and also speechwriter of Margaret Thatcher. Um, yeah. Many of uh, her quotes, which some of which are my favorites, um, you're responsible for that. So I, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if to thank you or to blame you, but indeed. Uh, how about you give us a little bit of uh, an understanding, however, about the topic of today, my brother's keeper. Yes, well, um, I think your station and and um, our institute has been interested in the question um, of, well, serious religious discrimination amounting in some cases to oppression of different groups in around the world. Now, we had a conference in um, London two years ago uh, called Persecuted Believers um, um, and Western governments. Uh, they were the the believers of the individuals uh, whom Western governments really don't want to pay attention to. It's too embarrassing, too difficult uh, in their relations with other countries. And that's why the private sector, journalism, the media have to get involved. And uh, we did so. Now, in that case, we were talking about all believers. Um, uh, Jeffrey, whom I um, who's the head of our special projects, he actually conducted last year um, a very big study, which is now out in the form of a book on anti-Semitism and the case of anti-Semitism in the world. And now he's moving on to the question of persecuted Christians. Persecuted Christians are an interesting minority because, in a way, the governments that ought to be looking after them, the way the French government regarded themselves, you know, the guardians of the Christians in the Middle East, they're not so interested anymore, and we could 
talk about the reasons. But um, Jeffrey is now uh, in heading a, a series of investors with a team um, a, a looking at the situation of Christian um, minorities in the Middle East and Africa and, in fact, in Western Europe too. And um, he's recruited a team now. Uh, Virag is one of his senior researchers. They will go from... Um, uh, after the uh, now that they've started, they will go having prepared the ground in their own uh, in, in looking into the situations in countries as different as the Sudan uh, and as uh, France. They will go to these uh, countries with a team of researchers, and they will be examining and uh, the the kind of um, um, forms of discrimination oppression we think exist there, but. You, Virag, will be talking, for example, to women who have suffered uh, uh, anti-Christian discrimination. And you will, on your now, I should really hand over to Jeffrey, or with your permission, please do to describe what you, how you're going to do that. Okay. Well, what we've done is put together a multi-country study. As you say, we just finished uh, a very massive project within Hungary called on anti-Semitism in Hungary and published a two-volume set of books on it, Anti-Semitism in Hungary, Appearance and Reality. The, we've now finished that and moving on to a much more ambitious international study, which is on Christianity, and we don't really use the term persecuted Christians. No. And the reason is... Something that I heard once from the head of Hungry Helps, um, Tristan, Tristan Asbe, who was at one of our anti-Semitism conferences, and he had this absolutely wonderful um, anecdote. said that he was in a meeting with a group of senior EU officials, and one of the officials said, you should be ashamed. You're weaponizing Christianity. And he was quite shocked by that because the Hungary Helps is also interested in anti-Semitism, in Islamophobia, but the idea of Christians is underfunded, it's understudied, the, there are massive resources for the study of anti-Semitism around the world. There are massive resources for the study of Islamophobia. But there's a, there's a lacuna, there's an emptiness in the study of Christians who are attacked around the world. So we created a, pro, a project called Attacks on Christian Communities and Institutions. We're looking at three forms of violence. And one is true Christian persecution which we define as either government-sponsored or conducted by proxies um, for the government. We're looking at intercommunal violence, um, which unlike Christian persecution, which is relatively rare, the intercommunal violence, violence between different religious communities, is very common because it brings in tribal violence, it brings in ethnic violence, which is either aimed directly at a religious community or it becomes simply a marker of identity, and it's really a tribal and clan feud, which goes back mm. a very long way. And finally, we're looking at internecine violence, which is perhaps the most ignored area, which is violence between different Christian within Christian community, um, different denominations or different factions within the church. So these are the three we're looking at. We're going to go to a number of countries, as John said, in the Middle East, in Africa, and in the EU. We've already completed our work in Poland, and we go in three weeks to Iraqi Kurdistan. 
Very interesting indeed. I actually, on the matter of persecution of Christians, as somebody who lives in the Middle East and is very much in tune with the churches in the Middle East, uh, I think that it's not rare when we're talking about persecution of Christians in the Middle East. I mm-hmm. think it is under-documented. I agree. And the fact of the matter is, because of the lack of funds that you're speaking of, there is a blind eye towards the persecution of Christians by institutions, by governments, mm-hmm. in many societies across the Middle East. The fact of the matter is, in the Islamic Republic of Iran, uh, there is a vast community of Muslims turning to, converting into Christianity, who uh, to the point where the Islamic Revolutionary Guards, which the EU is so reluctant of designated as a terrorist organization, mm-hmm. has proclaimed this phenomenon as a state threat, deeming anyone turning into Christianity uh, a threat to national security and therefore is allowed to be executed and killed. Mm-hmm. So we're looking into this situation. Obviously, this is uh, a point that I'd love for you to investigate also in the future uh, as part of my brother's keeper and, and many other things. Uh, but uh, as you mentioned also, and I think it's important for everybody watching us right now at home to know, uh, these programs are not funded um, from governments or all kind of things like that. So if you would like to support those programs, uh, please Go to our website at www.tv7israelnews.com. Make a donation in order to support this program particularly. Write in your note that this is for this specific production so we may truly be able to not only uh, do it within the current capacity but expand to more countries, to uh, more search fields and enable this uh, to really grow and bolster. I'd like to uh, and I, yeah, and I wouldn't, go ahead. I wouldn't disagree with you that um, persecution certainly exists. We're looking, though, at the roots of this violence. And Indeed. so we want to be very scientifically precise. Right. And because otherwise I'm afraid that a study that is conducted without those kind of very rigid definitional safeguards will be dismissed, right. as, as, Tristan, as Tristan points out. That's why we're careful with the word, but we're not disagreeing about the phenomenon. Indeed. And uh, it's interesting, indeed, that the EU official at the time mentioned uh, that uh, he was weaponizing Christianity. I think it's absurd. Hmm. Of course, the European Union does, uh, according to its actions, not taking its words, but according to its actions, it sees Christianity as a threat to its own uh, uh, values which it tries to advance. Uh, one case uh, study is, of course, by Virasanen, who was uh, taken to a court of law, former minister of interior in, in Finland, uh, for standing up for Christian values. Well, there are many cases like that. But in a sense, the most revealing um, point is that when it was discussing, uh, when Europe was discussing a new constitution, um, the proposal that there should be a preamble which would highlight the role of Christianity as well as that of the Enlightenment in the development of European civilization um, did not um, pass muster. It was rejected. And um, one can make a case, I suppose, for not mentioning God, which was some another uh, uh, important person excluded from the preamble. Um, because, um, because, after all, there are different views of who God is and what he is between the different religions. But that, 
that Christianity played a key part in developing European civilization is just a historical fact. And to forget it, to exclude it, was an absurdity. Now, why did that happen? I think it's because the modern secular official class, which was determining these things, is made uneasy by religion. They regard religion as two things, really. First of all, they regard it as erroneous, a mistake. And secondly, they regard it as divisive. But in fact, the ch whether you believe that the universe exists because it was created by a superior intelligence, or whether you believe it simply came into being by accident and is the result of accident to, to today, um, both of those are essentially faith positions. And, and consequently, um, to exclude uh, them on, uh, really to, to exclude Christianity on that occasion testifies to a deep uneasiness in uh, the, the political classes, the media classes, the intellectual classes of Europe, which, they, which means they cannot really discuss religion in a way that in which they can feel comfortable about it. They would like to push it into the back room, into, into a history which they denied played a part in, and forget about it. And I think that that's uh, something that is gradually becoming clear to them as well. I think they are beginning to realize that somehow or other they can't, they haven't factored a vastly important question mm -hmm. about our lives into their calculations. I'd like to bring you, Vilag, into the picture. Uh, you're doing a very interesting case study, of course, about women, uh, persecuted uh, uh, women um, in the Middle East. Obviously, Christian women in the Middle East um, are a vast or a very dominant um, essence of, of the Christian faith. Uh, one of the, the reasons is they're also significantly more educated than men in the Middle East uh, when we're talking about the cultural constructs of uh, this region, which is quite uh, interesting, um, which is also true, by the way, here in Israel, uh, particularly where women, Christian women, are significantly more educated than the men. How do you go about your study uh, specifically? I'd like to hear that. Well, being in this research project, my main task is to be involved much more with the, uh, with the women within these communities we are planning to, to visit and planning to be involved with their, um, with their perspective of life and their situation. And so uh, the idea behind uh, bringing both women and men uh, with the research group into these specific countries we are planning to do our research um, is that to be able to do these uh, kind of deep interviews with both the men and women within these um, societies. Indeed. Well, uh, another angle that I, I uh, like to hear is, to what degree do you see uh, this um, separation between the two genders uh, in their struggle? Uh, because it is a different struggle. Uh, obviously, men are faced with uh, a lack of capacity to provide and to take care of their families. On the other hand, you see uh, women being insecure because of it and, and seeking that security in a matter that uh, is unviable in many of those societies. As we are uh, planning to do our research with very different countries, uh, not just in the Middle East, but also in Africa and, and the Western Europe as well, we can see that there are very different situations. 
and especially coming from Europe, coming from Hungary, I can see that uh, living in those countries, women can have very different situations. And uh, for example, as you just mentioned, men are specifically um, experiencing this kind of uh, violence or uh, this anti-Christian um, attitude. For example, in the in the area of, of workplaces or from the from the economic perspective. However, for women, it has um, I believe that um, it has a wider perspective because they they uh, face this kind of um, violence much more on the uh, like within the legal uh, landscape as well. And also, if we are talking about physical harassment or the physical forms of violence, I think that women are much more vulnerable. Indeed. Uh, Professor Kaplan, I'd like to hear your uh, thoughts on uh, your engaged right now in, in a more theoretical part of uh, the productions, mm -hmm. after which you will have the field research, of course, part of which already uh, conducted. Um, to what degree is this process going to be um, challenged by the fact that ultimately it's not in the benefit of the governments of the countries you're going to visit to expose the atrocities committed uh, to a certain extent? It's a, that's a question that we wrestle with quite a lot. And frankly, um, we wrestled with it in the decision to do My Brother's Keeper because these are countries that are very sensitive, that are very um, closed in many ways, and would like to portray a, an image to the world community that is not necessarily true or not necessarily, doesn't necessarily reflect the facts on the ground. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's a very delicate balance. The way I go about this and the way our team will go about it is the same way that I've done research all of my career, which is based on participant observer and field work. You follow the data, but more than that, we're not looking in isolation at embattled Christian communities. We're also looking at the overall context. So we talk to all of the communities involved. We talk to governments, we talk to NGOs. Um, as a practical example, we're going to, in the study in Kurdistan, um, we'll be talking not only to the communities and church leaders and families, we'll also be talking to government officials, military leaders, and we'll be going to a camp for um, imprisoned ISIS members so that we can interview Daesh people and get their perspective. We're, look, we're not trying to create something that would replicate what the NGOs do. We want to have a scientific and accurate picture that will feed not only the academic environment and be not challenged on scientific terms, but we're also trying to provide a resource for policymakers that won't be worried or won't have to worry that or be concerned that we're weaponizing Christianity or that we are playing a role for a particular group over other groups as opposed to others. We really want to, be, to give the entire context and base our findings on the data wherever the data leads us. Indeed, one of the places that I go for data would be the cemetery here in Jerusalem, mm -hmm. where you'll see evangelists uh, buried after visiting Iraq, after visiting other places, mm -hmm. um, leaving behind their uh, spouses and, and children. Mm -hmm. 
unfortunately, one case uh, like that, uh, I won't name his name, of course, but um, roughly a week before my father passed, uh, a, a fellow brother in Christ who, who was killed in Iraq was buried uh, uh, by a, a radical Muslim individual who uh, didn't agree with the fact that uh, um, salvation uh, was being preached uh, in the streets of Irbil. So uh, to what degree is that going to also mitigate the capacity to find that accurate point ultimately? Well, I think there isn't any other way of, uh, of answering that question except to say that we have to go to the places, we have to meet the people on all sides, we have to have a set of questions which are fair to all, all sides, the different communities just mentioned by Jeffrey. And um, that, that's maybe not the end of the research, but it's certainly the beginning of it. And, and there is no alternative to a kind of hear, hear all sides discussion. And, um, and in particular, of course, I think Virag is going to have the job of dealing with um, with uh, Christian women, and I think women from other communities in places like Sudan who are suffering a different kind, uh, sometimes the same kind, of, uh, of discrimination and sexual abuse, um, which is a hard thing for many of these women to talk about. Mm. And so it does require a very sensitive sort of questioning. It requires also honesty and um, and getting the and getting answers which you are confident represent the their real experience. So I think, uh, as I say, um, Jeffrey is the master of the uh, research program, and he has got a lot of lot, lot of experience in this. So I'm looking forward to getting those results. As a matter of fact, I know for a fact that whoever is watching right now at home um, is quite keen about knowing more on those topics. Uh, we've received many emails, many requests for uh, deeper understanding, and I commend you, really, for this very important work. Yes. I wonder whether or not Jeffrey would agree that at the end of it all, one of the groups of people we're going to have to talk to are the people who, in a sense, have shirked looking into this question. I'm thinking of the bureaucratic classes in Western Europe who are somewhat averse, not always, and in the case of the British government the last few years, it has actually appointed someone, um, a, a bishop at the church, an Anglican bishop, who will, who ha is heading investigations into um, the persecution of Christians. It's taken seriously now, but it's taken a long time, and I think we need to understand, in a sense, the aversion to looking at this as well as the actual uh, experience of, of persecution. It's a, it's a difficult thing to look at, and this is on a number of levels. Um, something that I've warned our female researchers, they're quite young, and they really haven't had this experience before. The What you're going to find will change you, and it will change your life. Um, the findings, we hope, will create real changes. I mean, we have no illusions that we're going to suddenly turn everybody's mind around and create a new political reality. That's, you know, that's, that's illusory. But we, we're taking a step towards creating and being part of a scientific process that will eventually make changes. Mm, very interesting indeed. I must say that uh, we as people living in Western societies and democracies um, and all over the world ultimately have 
a responsibility to hold our leaders accountable uh, for uh, their actions and inactions. And uh, in this case, the fact of the matter is uh, Christianity has been f for too long ignored uh, by the fact that uh, these Western governments, as uh, John noted earlier, France was uh, considered to be the guardian of at least the Catholic communities yeah. uh, in the Middle East. Well, the Orthodox communities obviously look towards Russia, look towards uh, Greece, uh, for that matter, Romania to a certain degree, uh, others to Ethiopia. Each one had its own community. Unfortunately, this is diminishing. And this yeah. uh, downscale, uh, downward trajectory of... of uh, uh, willing to to be part of, of uh, supporting those communities uh, has also occurred uh, amongst uh, uh, the the evangelical churches in the United States where America which proclaimed to be uh, the pillar of uh, uh, protecting human rights is not doing what it's supposed to be doing the State Department has a, a bureau it's uh, building up a report every year with information but there is no true follow-up. Everything is bureaucratic and a lot of money is being spent on pretty much nothing because practically in the streets, you don't really see the impact. So your work is going to really have a very significant impact, uh, I believe. H how are you going about? What is going to happen in the first program, John? Um, in the, the first set of programs we're making at the moment, well, we're in, in essence sharing with the viewer um, the plan in mean, each country and the kind of way we're going to approach the research. That's what it is. It's laying out the evidence we, all, we have from afar uh, collected about the situation of particular Christian communities in places as diverse as um, I mentioned, the Sudan, uh, Jordan, um, Iraq and Kurdistan, um, looking at the evidence you can glean from uh, newspaper reports, uh, official reports and other things, and the accounts of the churches, and then going in and checking the reality on the ground and how that picture um, um, is, whether or not it's accurate. And in one respect, I think in the minds of uh, Westerners, it is inaccurate. When, when we think of Christian communities, we're tended to think of the church as a European institution. But of course, it's in the global south that Christians are now the majority of the, their entire faith. And I think that we're looking at that as well as, the, uh, as, well as uh, for example, the, the not persecuted but shrinken, uh, shrunken community of, say, Catholics in France. Indeed. Well, uh, it is uh, indeed shrinking or um, migration helps diminish that uh, uh, matter quite substantively. This is all the time that we have for today, unfortunately. Uh, I'm looking forward to your productions, to uh, everything that you're going to uh, investigate and, and uh, bring to light. And hopefully uh, this will truly bring about the, the necessary change for uh, Christians living throughout the Middle East, throughout the world, and also here particularly um, as uh, we're directly impacted by everything that is occurring. So I'd like to thank John, um, of course, Jeffrey and Virag for being part of uh, this project. And I'd like to thank all of you at home for partaking. Hold your governments accountable, follow up on those investigations and make sure that uh, your representatives listen to everything that is being done. Uh, but until next time, from me here in Jerusalem. Shalom.
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.